while that video was going, I was watching you guys watch that video. And I was just kind of thinking, because I spoke with Jason beforehand, because I've done this before. And so I usually open with a joke, and he's like, you know, what are you thinking? And I was like, you know, I just trust, I trust the Lord to guide me, and that's how I do this, period. And as I was watching you, he said something that really hit me, and that was, what would you do? What would you do in this place? And that was my answer. We're starting a series today called Perspective. And I'm excited about this series. I know it sounds like I'm excited about every series, but I'm excited about this series. Because it is about perspective. And we're going to go through different characters, different people that that were involved in the story of Jesus going up to Easter. Starting with Peter. But also, and this is a challenge, and I mentioned this last week, both Andy and I will be speaking about the same character. Sometimes it'll be the same scripture. Sometimes it'll be different scripture. We planned our own. We worked on the series together overall. And so we're challenging everyone, including ourselves, to listen to an extra message. And you can watch the live stream, but, but, but to at least listen. And we have a podcast. There are links to the website. The app has to listen. All of that stuff. Not to promote ourselves. But because it's not just about the perspective of those characters, it's about our perspectives. It's about all of us, how we all see this differently. How we all see Jesus, the same Jesus. And what we can do to that, how our voices matter, how our opinions matter, but how above all, he matters. And so I'm so glad to start with Peter because Peter is such an amazing story. As you read through his life, In the Gospels, while he's with Jesus, he's so up and down. But it's never for lack of trying. It's always because he wants to do everything he can. And sometimes he gets in his own way, like I just did. But he keeps going and he keeps trying. How much can we relate to that? Sometimes we get in our own way and we keep going. And so I want to go to the scripture, Luke 22, 54 through 62. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest, this is Jesus, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not. Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't even know what you're talking about. And immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. As I said, Peter is so interesting because as Jesus was arrested, he was willing to fight. He pulled out his sword and he cut off the guy's ear, whether he was aiming for it or not. He cut off the guy's ear. He was ready to go. And yet, now he won't even admit that he was a part of it. And so that's kind of weird. But then you look at everything else, and all the other disciples had fled. And yet Peter, even though it was a distance, still followed. Because I think he still had that hope. He was still holding on to to this idea of the Messiah. 
Now, we know what the Messiah is from, from a life of serving Jesus or from however long we've heard about it and studied him. But in those days, like everyone was raised to think the Messiah was going to be this warrior king to take over, destroy Rome, and to take over and to just have this, this place on earth. Now, we know the kingdom is in heaven, but, but, but Peter was probably waiting for a sign for that and waiting for more. And he still had that. And so he's following at a distance. He's still ready to fight, even though he's scared. And what's weird, kind of, about him is even though he was denying him, he's sitting among the servants real close to him. So it's kind of like if you go to Walmart and you take a bunch of pictures of you at Walmart, because, you know, that's what you guys do. And then you post them all on Facebook and you're like, I hope nobody knows I went to Walmart today. Like, it's, it's kind of contradictory. And yet... In his heart, he's still like, okay, I've got to be here, but I can't be here. And over and over and over again. And fear was a part of it. But it's more than that. And, and as we're going to look here, he denied Jesus in three different ways. Three very uh, specific ways. And so first, he denied knowing him. He believed in him. He listened to him. He followed him. He, he, he saw him teach and heal and do so many things. But he still had that idea of what the Messiah was. And he still had his picture of who Jesus was and who he thought he would be. And so when Jesus was arrested, Peter's like, this is it. This is where it starts. All of this before, like Peter said, was just a long introduction. I just realized this Peter, not the disciple Peter. This is just a long introduction, and now we're going to fight. Now we're going to take over. Now I'm going to see what, what he has. And then Jesus called for peace. And so it shook him. And so in a way, he really didn't know it. And sometimes we do this too. I remember a couple weeks ago, I used a quote, and I'm going to mess it up even though I used it a couple weeks ago. Uh, be like who, sorry, be like who Jesus would be if he were you, or something along those lines. It was be like Jesus, make yourself be like Jesus, is essentially the idea of it. But sometimes, we try to make him like us. And we're like, this is what Jesus would want because this is what I want. This is how he would vote because this is how I would vote. This is what he would do because this is what I would do. And we try to make him like us, and we don't really know him in those times. And that's what Peter is doing here. And then next, he denied being a follower of him, which is ironic because literally he's following him right now. But he denied being a follower. Now, maybe he justified this as we're more like friends and more like family, like he's my savior. It's more than just following him, but maybe. And I would even go so far as to probably. He was a little shaken. And he was having some doubts at this time. Maybe not even in Jesus, but in himself, in what he had been doing, in what he thought, in everything. And he had these doubts. And so in that moment, he really didn't think he was a follower. He had worries. He, he didn't know what was going on. Because when the road gets hard, when there are bumps, when it's tricky, when we see injustices, when we are hurt, when people we love are hurt, it can be really hard. When we lose people, when we lose things even, it can be really hard. Sometimes it's easier to follow him when everything else is messed up and it's super bad. 
Like when Jesus is getting arrested and Peter's right there. But in the day-to-day bed, sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes we start to wonder, am I a follower? Sometimes we forget that we are. And so we look to Peter like that. And then finally, he denied being a Galilean, which is his own identity. It's who he is. It's where he's from. And he denies it because I think he's even questioning himself, too. And he's probably thinking, should I have done more? Was the sword thing a test? Did Jesus want to see if I'd I'd listen to him? Did he want to see if I'd fight more? Am I supposed to fight now? Like he's questioning all of these things. What should I do? We often look at Peter's denials as, I'd never do that. I'm a Christian. I make sure people know I'm a Christian. I go to church all the time. I I, I tithe, I give, I I talk about him. I wear shirts that, that say Jesus. Similar to the rich young man. We say, I follow the commands. But sometimes, Sometimes it can be hard. And sometimes we slip. And now we're going to go to the quote that I had. This is from Francis Chan. The world says, love yourself. Grab all you can. Follow your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself. Grab your cross and follow me. We know from a young age not to be of the world. We also know we have to live in the world. And so there, there are things, like when you have a job, when you work in the world, when you go to school, etc. Like there are times that you just have to be in the world. You can't help it. But we're like, we still don't want to be of the world. And we think, I would never deny Jesus, like I just said, but we get caught up sometimes. When we do those things, we're denying Him. Now, in terms of loving yourself, and I'm a proponent of mental health. I teach a class on it. I struggle with it. This does not mean hate yourself. When it says love yourself, grab all you can, that's more of a put yourself first idea. And when we do that, that's where we're denying Jesus. Follow your heart. Sometimes that's okay, but only if your heart is filled with him. And he's your focus. He's your center. He's everything. And then Jesus says, deny yourself. Not hate yourself again, but deny yourself. That means, and I've said this before, the acronym JOY. Jesus, then others, then you. That's what it means to follow him. That's what it means to be one of his followers. That's what it means to be a disciple. And when we do those things, when we put ourselves first, when we put the world first, when we get so focused on what would be easiest, on what would work the best, on on all of that stuff, We're denying him, but when we take up the cross, when we follow him, when we put him first, we're serving him. Going to the next scripture. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the the rooster crows tomorrow morning, Uh, You will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Put yourself in Peter's place here. I say that sometimes. Right now, put yourself in Peter's place. 
Think about what that felt like. You know in the moment, he knew in the moment that he was messing up, but his mind wasn't on what Jesus had said. His mind was on the danger of the moment, on seeing what was happening to Jesus. And then the rooster crowed. And it all came back to him. And then Jesus looked at him and everything just hit him. He hadn't thought about it probably until then. And what's worse for him is uh, people like to say he was loud wrong. He wasn't just wrong. He was loud wrong. He's like, I would never do that, Lord. Uh, A few weeks ago, right around Valentine's Day, the Indiana Hoosiers, and I'm going somewhere with this. Some people knew I'd work it for this anyway. Uh, Beat Purdue at home. I am an IU fan, which is probably not shocking. Uh, and, and so I posted, I'm still old enough that I post on Facebook sometimes. And so I posted just, a, I, I shared the IU win thing and I said, this is Indiana. Go IU. And that was it. Like I posted on my own page. And someone who I knew from my past who is a Purdue fan apparently, because, you know, even I have bad decisions at times. He posted underneath it. Again, this was on my page. I didn't post on his. He posted underneath it. Oh, yeah, sure. This was lucky. And, and next time, like in, at, at Purdue, we're going to beat you by more than 10. And then a neutral site would kill you. And I had my first intention, but I didn't follow it because I tell you guys not to do that. And so I just did like the, the laughing reaction, the ha-ha, and left it. I didn't comment. And then he commented again because that made it matter that I didn't comment. And he commented a third time, and it was all, eventually, and I didn't do this, but he's like, hey, let's bet on the game and give money to charity. And I'm like, okay, stay there. Because as I told a couple people this morning, being an IU fan is a little bit like being a Bengals fan. And you never quite expect good to continue. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to stay out of this. Now, last night, we beat, we being IU, because I'm on the team, we beat... (laughs) We beat Purdue handily at Purdue. He was strangely quiet. (laughs) Now, I didn't post anything to him. I posted on my side again. He didn't comment. My point is, Peter was not just saying, like, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to not deny you. He's like, I would never do that. And so it isn't just that he denied him. He was so adamant and so overconfident, so egotistical that when the rooster crowed and then Jesus looked at him, he just exploded. And he was in a tough position because he had no idea what to do. He's just a fisherman, just a guy. And he did a lot and eventually he did more. But Jesus told him not to fight. So he's there and he's like, I've got to be here, but I don't know if I should be here. What should I do? And so he just cries and runs. Now, here's what makes it worse. The Greek word for looked at him is not just saw him. It's he looked at him with interest, with love, and with concern. So now imagine that you have hurt someone you love, someone that matters to you, and you know that it's your fault. You failed. And then you see them and they know you failed too. And instead of yelling at you, instead of shaming you, instead of guilting you, they look at you with love and concern for you. 
ouch. That hurts so much more. And so Peter is in this situation and he knows that he's done wrong. And now he knows that even though he's done wrong, Jesus still loves him. Jesus, who is being beaten almost to death, is looking at Peter, who is safe relatively, with concern. And Peter's the one that failed. And so in that moment, he probably thought, there's no coming back. I've ruined everything. It's never going to happen. I failed him, I failed myself, I failed the disciples, I failed the faith, I, I'm just, I'm done. And I think we feel this at times too. I just can't get it right. I keep messing up in the same way over and over again. I keep doing the same thing, I keep saying the same thing. It, it just keeps happening and, and I just can't do it. I'm a failure. If everyone knew about this one thing, they'd look at me different. I have another quote. If you're ever tempted to think you've blown it, reflect on the life of Simon Peter. Now this has two meanings. On the one hand, when you feel like you've failed, when you feel like you've blown it, remember, Peter loudly failed. And that's not a comparison like, oh, I'm okay then. But also, and this is where the second meaning comes in, the life of Simon Peter, and this is going to be a spoiler alert, so I'm sorry if you haven't finished the Bible yet. The life of Simon Peter does not end in this denial. Because he finds forgiveness, he finds redemption, and he starts churches. And he leads the faith, and he builds something with Jesus, for Jesus, and he changes everything. I'm sure that he still felt the pain and the shame and the guilt, but, but not forever. He eventually found a way to use that for strength. He eventually found a way to use that as his testimony. Because, and this is important, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing you've ever done, nothing you've ever thought, nothing you've ever been can separate us from the love of Christ. Now we can turn away. But even then, his arms are always wide open, waiting for us to come back. And so Peter failed. We have failed. But looking at his life, we see, hey, there's hope. As long as there is life, there is hope. Often, when I've used this scripture, I like to go ahead, jump ahead, to where Jesus comes to him after the resurrection and does the three, the opposite of the denials. And you know, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Because that's an awesome moment in the story. But I felt led to go backwards a little bit as we wrap this week up. And so this is uh, going back to verse 31. This is Jesus speaking. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, uh, sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crowed, Crows, tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny three times that you even know me. 
we start and we see Jesus prayed for him. Jesus prays for us. That's amazing. Jesus prays for us. He prayed for Peter. He loved him so much that he prayed for him. He knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows all of us. He knows the worst of us, and yet he still loves us. He knew what Peter was going to do, and yet he still loved him. He knew what Peter would say, and he still loved him. And that on its own would be powerful and a great way to end. But one word in that scripture really stands out. When. You see, he said, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. He doesn't say if. He doesn't say you're going to fail and you're never going to come back. He doesn't say you're going to be worthless. He doesn't say you're going to ruin everything. He says He jumps ahead and says, when you have repented, because he had faith in Peter. Now, in the moment, Peter was too ready to say, no, 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 I'll never do this. No, I'll die and all that stuff. And so in the moment, he probably didn't even hear that. Or you know how we hear things, but we don't really hear them. I can see wives looking at husbands, and I'll just leave that. But we hear hear things, but we don't really hear them. And so at the moment, he was just so focused on saying, no, Jesus, I'd never go against you. No, Jesus, I'll die with you. But as time went on, as he found peace, as he built churches, as he told the story, as he had his testimony, I'm sure that he thought back to that moment where he was so brash and overconfident. And Jesus said, when, which is Jesus saying, you're going to get through this, Peter. And he thought of that moment. He thought of that word and it brought him joy and it brought him hope. Because you see, Peter's faith faltered. But it did not fail. And faltering is something that's going to happen. But that can help us to strengthen others. It can help us to strengthen ourselves. It can become a part of our story when we talk to other people. When we say, you know what? I'm not perfect. Let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you about the times that I've messed up. And yet, Jesus still loved me. And let me tell you how it's affected me and how I've built things and how I've grown. This Peter did a wonderful job of standing up here and telling you about how God has blessed him. And I've talked to Peter, I'm friends with him, and so I know his story. And so I'm sure that he could easily also come up here and tell you about times that he's messed up. Tell you about times that he's faltered and yet God still blessed him because he kept going forward. We must keep going forward. Peter faltered, but he did not fail. Peter truly believed what he said here, that he would die for him. And eventually he did. Eventually he died on a cross upside down because he didn't want to be like Jesus. Eventually he gave his entire life to him. But it took time for him to build that story. It took time for him to rebuild that confidence. And I'm sure throughout all of the rest of his life, there was never one moment where he said, I'm so glad that I denied Jesus three times. I'm sure even as he grew as old as he got, which wasn't that old, he probably had moments where he's like, I wish I'd done more. But he still thought, you know what? I built something because Jesus built something. He helped me. And so even though he was never, I'm so glad I did that. He's like, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to take this failure. I'm going to take where I had doubts. And I'm going to show other people that it's okay to be human. Because Jesus loves us. 
That's what the entire Easter story is about. Jesus loves us so much that he died for us while we were, while we were still sinners. He loved Peter so much that even before he sinned, he said, you're going to get through this. Final quote. Success is on the same road as failure. Success is just a little further down the road. Let me tell you something. Both Peter and Judas failed Jesus. Yes, Judas betrayed him, but in his own way, Peter betrayed him. So what's the difference in their stories? Their difference is Judas quit and Peter didn't. The only true failure is when we quit. The only true failure is when we give up. The only true failure is when we turn away and never try again. Because success is just a little bit past that, that first failure. And I truly believe that despite the arrogance and the evil of what Judas did, that if he had gone to the cross and asked for forgiveness, he would have been given it. But he didn't. He gave up. And Peter, who, like I said, in his own way, betrayed him. He wanted to give up. But he kept going. And Jesus helped him keep going, but it's because he didn't give up. And so he kept going, he kept building, and he finally found success. Not world success, but true success. Because each failure, which is going to happen, sorry, is on the same road. But if we keep going, and we keep learning, and we keep building, and we keep remembering that Jesus looked at us before that and said, when when you mess up, find me. That is such a powerful story. And each one of us, each one of us, can like Peter, the disciple. Or that one. Continue on from our failures. And not only find success in him, through him, but show others Show others what that means. Show others the true success. Show others who Jesus really is. That's what this is about. It's about his sacrifice. His sacrifice that was not in vain because it was out of love. And it was to save the world. It was to defeat death. And it was to give us this chance to get to that win. We can do that. It's a hard road. But we have Him. So let's do that. That's all I got.